we've all sat in meetings where like, I mean, seriously, a corporate meeting today, we're going to discuss values. Oh my God. All right. Everybody just dialed out. How can you make that important to them? Why would they, why would they care about what the values are? I mean, otherwise like, like you're saying, you're going to, you're going to post it on the cork board in the break room and nobody's ever going to look at it again. Why should it matter to them? Welcome to Clearing Obstacles, the podcast for leaders and those that want to be. You know, it can be a lonely journey when you find yourself confronted by challenges in business. So get ready to take a journey with me as together we'll hear the stories of real-life business owners and begin to unpack some common business challenges from real-life situations in a way that's both relatable and actionable for you. We bring to bear decades of entrepreneurial and coaching experience and a full toolbox of resources as we introduce you to those professionals who like yourself, are working hard to build a healthy business and a healthy team, but then will also share the way out of those struggles by clearing the obstacles at their origins, helping you get there from here. Welcome to Clearing Obstacles Podcast, where we help you get there from here. This is Coach Matt, along with Coach Dan and our esteemed guest, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you for coming to share your story with us. What's it like in Canton today for our listeners? Um, gloomy, a little chilly. Yeah. It's not raining for once. We've had such a wet winter, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Yes. It was sprinkling a few minutes ago, but yeah, that's about it though. Just enough to make the pollen on the cars look really great. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, Lisa, you operate your business and and you live around the Canton area, practically perfect day spa. Can you just take a moment to tell us a quick synopsis about your, your business, your businesses as you're starting another one as well? Sure. Um, We offer hair services. Nails, massage therapy, skincare, waxing, um, lash extensions. And then the med spa that I'm starting will be doing Botox, um, injectables, laser hair removal, laser resurfacing, body contouring, cool sculpting, all kinds of cool stuff like that. What's uh, How long have you been in business now? You started yours a little bit before mine, right? So... 2010. Yeah. September will be 13 years. Wow. Good for you. Yeah. yeah thank awesome. you. That's great. Pretty crazy. You beat the, the average for business survival rates by a long shot. Way to go, Lisa. Thank you. <laughs> a lot of good, good coaches. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that kind of leads me to my next question. So draw us a quick map of how and why you started your business. Um, what's made it a success and, and currently how, how it's going. Well, I started my business. I'd run my ex-husband's business for about seven years. He did construction and I hated it. Um, I got yelled at all the time because construction workers like never show up on time. So, um, and I always was really interested in the beauty industry. When I was younger, I used to get a hold of my friends and like pop their zits and give them makeovers and all that kind of stuff. And so... A friend of mine um, mentioned, you know, she thought I'd be really good in aesthetics. So I started looking into it and then I got my aesthetics license and there weren't really any spas up in Canton area that offered what I was doing. So I just decided to start my own thing about a month out of school, which I think back on was crazy, but whatever. Um, And then... Just like people would come in and they, or they'd call and they'd ask, oh, do you offer manicures and pedicures? And then I was like, okay, I guess I need to add that. 
And then um, just kind of added a couple hairstylists and then we all grew our space and then moved to another space. We were there for about five years and then we moved to the mill um, two years ago and that was a huge thing, but I don't know. I just, I love what I do and I love that the people I get to work with and I love helping people and you know, my employees are so important to me too, because they get to love their jobs. So, you know, just knowing that they're having fun and it doesn't feel like work. Um, I've always felt like I never wanted to work. I didn't want to have a job, like a nine to five, anything like that. So I can work my schedule around my kids. Uh, I have from the beginning, I got them off the bus from the time that, you know, I started. And um, I don't know, just, it's it's a really fun industry. Did I miss any questions there? I don't remember. Yeah, what, uh, what made, I mean, it's not any one thing, but what would you say are some of the parts that have made it a success for you? I think genuinely caring about my employees and my clients. Um, it's never been about money for me. It's always been about um, just enjoying the people around me. Um, I think that makes a big difference, you know, and constantly learning, you know, keeping up with everything. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a big deal. It's, you know, the beauty industry is constantly changing, and there's always something new out there. So just never like getting stuck in your ways. Just always knowing you have to grow. Uh, I think that's kind of what sets us apart. Um, yeah. Uh, can, can I tag along on a question like that? I, I love the way, like your, your, your clarity that you have on that, Lisa. And so uh, a lot of what you mentioned, which is like, it's never necessarily been about money. This is about the joy of the experience. Uh, your employees, uh, joy in their work is important to you that you're constantly learning. You just have a natural tendency towards curiosity and growth and, and education and improving and everything appetite for growth to kind of paraphrase what you were saying all of that stuff is kind of, um, they're conceptual. It's a little bit esoteric. And maybe you could say a few words about how that actually shows up in the deliverable. So why would, how does that translate to me coming to practically perfect day spa instead of the place down the street? Um, I would say, I mean, my employees speak highly of the management at, the, at our salon. So, and they, they stick around. You know, I think that's a big thing is we have so many people who've been with us for, you know, even 10, 12, one of my employees, she's been with me since the first month I opened. So I think, you know, just genuinely listening to how they're feeling and their ideas and, you know, because they're, uh, especially the younger ones, you know, they're out there on Instagram and they're like, oh, this would be a great idea. And so just listening to their ideas has really helped all of us grow. Um, cause I'm not, I'm not about to be on TikTok posting stuff, you know, cause that's not me, but all of them do it. And I think it's great. So, you know, just, just being open-minded, I think makes a big difference. Yeah. I'll paraphrase that as I hear it. You've got a tribe both with your employees and your customers and, and that, that tribe promotes kind of just naturally yes. organically because of that. And, and that contributes to a a vastly different experience than the the place down the street. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think I've got uh, 40, 41 or 42 employees now. What? That's awesome. Yeah. 
It's crazy. Yeah. Cause I, and with the med spa, I'm just adding more. So it's, uh, and doctors and nurses and physicians assistants. That's a whole nother world that I'm learning now. I'm like, I just, I've never been and you know you got to have liability like malpractice insurance things that you don't have to have in the other so that's that's where my obstacles are lying was that a natural progression to go to more um, uh in this next business that you're that you're uh starting to launch here uh was it kind of a, a gap in services that weren't available why why did how was that a natural extension from what you're currently doing it seems a lot more involved and like you said a lot more um responsibility and some logistics that that really seem to kind of eclipse what it would be uh in the first business yeah i mean we would get calls for things like botox and lasers things like that and we've maxed out our place at the mill so there's not really anywhere else we can add but the place that i'm um opening it's been a med spa for seven years the girl that opened it, she we went through a divorce about two years ago and her husband was their medical director. And so anyway, that kind of, they sold it to this other company or these other people who own restaurants, but really weren't familiar with the spa world. Uh, and the owner of the house, or it's a, ho- a little house on the side of the road, but um, he knew me, he used to be a client. And so he called and was like, hey, would you be interested in this? They already had all the equipment and like a lot of the staff. So I was just like, I guess I'll take this on. I don't know. I'm just crazy like that. So I was telling Matt, I was like, this is the first time in my life that I've actually been able to relax. I was like, so why not take on something to give me stress? (laughs) Sounds like a great vision. I'm going to jump right in with a question. Do you mind? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, so, uh, you've got some longevity here. You've been, how, what did you say? 12 years? Mm-hmm. Well, 12 and a half. Yeah. Oh, 12 and a half years. Um, you're doing something right here. There's gotta be some strength in your leadership, some strength in your business acumen. What are, what would some of those strengths be? How would you characterize those? The secrets, your secret sauce, if you will. Um, it's <laughs> a good question. I think I, I'm not a controlling person, right? So like a lot of other business owners that I've known and a lot of them go under or they lose their employees really fast. Um, they're very controlling. They micromanage. They, they think they know everything. Whereas I don't feel like that. I feel like I can learn from everybody I meet and I, I allow my management, my, um, my employees, everybody's involved with a lot of the decision making that we do. And I think that makes a really big difference. And I, you know, I'm very blessed to have like an amazing business partner. She's, she came on with me six years ago, Bridget. She's like, well, one, okay. So Matt, one of the things that he said, you have to have an integrator and a visionary, right? And I was the both for forever. But it's really hard to do that alone. So when she came in, I get to be more of the visionary. And I can just have her do a lot of the things that I don't really care to do. And um, and she likes doing them. So just finding what personalities in the business work well doing different things. Because sometimes people come in and they really suck at front desk, right? 
but they might be a, an excellent assistant for somebody. And, you know, just finding the roles. And yeah, I would say that's, that's probably the biggest thing. Just being a likable boss. Being a likable yeah. boss. Yeah. Relation, very relational based. Yes, very much. Matt, has that, has that been your experience of Lisa? You guys have, have worked together um, in, in diff, different capacity over the years, right? Is that your experience of Lisa? Yeah, she does have that X factor with culture, right? And it's, 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 uh, it's so interesting too, because comparatively to, and I don't know this, you actually can probably jump in, Lisa, and tell me I'm completely off base with this, but comparatively to um, a lot of businesses, it's, um, you have a flexible kind of management model with things, it seems like, you know, um, as opposed to some rigidity. And it works for you and it works for the culture that you have. And it keeps an open and kind of fluid, a little bit of a fluid kind of model with it. Um, but super interesting on that end of it. But yeah, they, it's palatable when you walk into her her offices or in, in her locations and whatnot. There's an energy to the whole place. And, a, and a, I just keep the same flow. You can just kind of feel a flow of energy throughout the whole place that not a whole lot of like drama or negativity. It's just like loose and light and fun. And I'm sure there's those pieces. I'm sure you have those kind of challenges. We are very careful to get rid of people quickly if they start causing the drama because that one seed, like, and I remember in the beginning, like I felt like I was desperate for employees, like especially hairstylists, hairstylists. And I think it's because they work together in the same room all the time where my massage therapists and estheticians, they have alone time a lot. But the ones that are there together, it's like, you know, so-and-so did this, so-and-so did that, you know, whatever. And so quickly clearing out the drama, it helps. I've said it a million times, like you could bring me in a gazillion dollars, but if you are messing up the whole morale of the place, you got to go. So I don't know, and I always find somebody better once I let that bad seed go. Yeah. It is funny the way that works. And, and and not only do you pull the weeds to use a really crude analogy, like you get, you get rid of that toxic element, but the rest of the team sits up, takes notice and says, Oh, she cares about the culture. She's, she's getting that stuff out of here, you know, and they feel supported that you're, you're sending a very clear message to the rest of the team. What, what is and is not tolerated. Right. Exactly. It's important. So I'm curious, have you, have you documented, do you have documented like company culture as far as like company values? Do you have those written down? I think we created all of that when you and I were working together. Um, and my daughter, Brittany, she's taken on management of a lot of the, um, the technology and paperwork and all that kind of stuff. So she was actually working on our handbook the other day and, we met and she was tweaking some things, but I think we have pretty much everything that you and I had worked on. So you're talking about the, the, the systems that you have documented and, and confirming that you do indeed have, have a, a pretty well established set of systems. And is, are those, you know, everybody ascribes different terminology to that SOPs, you know, standard operating procedures, action plans, process manuals, operations manuals, choose your name, right? Whatever the terminology you use. You have that pretty well documented. So if, if you just found me so compelling to be a, a, an employee there at, at the spa, 
how, what would the learning curve be like for me if I if I'm coming in pre beginner's mind? I've never I've never been an employee in that kind of environment. What would the ramp up time look like for me to, to where you would feel comfortable saying I'm good putting Dan in front of some of our clients? Well, how long how long do you think that would take? Are you talking? Well, it depends because if you're talking receptionist work. <laughs> You know, you're right there in front of people pretty quickly, but you're having to do the training process. It usually takes about two to three weeks to sit there. You you sit with our other receptionist, you know, during that time of training. Um, but if you want to be a hairstylist, you got to go to cosmetology school or you can, we do have apprentices. We've had a lot of apprentices now for that and skincare um, and nails. Um, that's, basically twice the time of the schooling would normally take, but you have hands-on. So you're in the salon learning from somebody every day. And, um, and I pay my apprentices to be there um, because they're doing all the extra work while they're there. So it kind of helps out, but we do have um, everything listed for what everybody's role is. Um, Again, thanks to that time with Matt. So they know like you've got to be cleaning if you're not, you know, assisting at the time, like you gotta be doing laundry, you gotta be sweeping. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's always something to do in that salon. Who, who makes sure that that's actually happening? It's one thing to have those, those things documented. Who, who's verifying that that work is getting done, getting done the way you want it and getting done consistently. Um, well, the, the people apprenticing them for one, and then my daughter, Brittany, she's the manager of the salon area. And then we have um, our apprentice slash assistant. Um, she's like the lead. So they go to her with problems and she helps them um, with anything that they need as far as getting them to state board. Um, yeah. And then spa, same thing. We've got a spa lead. And so she keeps up with all the ordering, complaints whatever. Usually it doesn't make it to me unless it's pretty bad now, but Bridget, my, um, my partner, she's like, she's been the office manager for all these years. So it usually gets to her and then it comes to me. Uh Problems that she, she, maybe she can't address. It sounds like you've got a lot of structure, right? And that in the sense of like organizational chart, just for like the listeners, because you do have some tenure, right? And it sounds like you've, I mean, your business is doing well and you've got the, the job descriptions and so on and so forth laid out right there. Just walk through just real quick the organizational chart and how it's kind of manifested over time for you. Do you, do you operate with one currently? And then how did you get to the place where you, you are now? Just a quick synopsis, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think it started off obviously just me as like the, the top, I guess. And then when I added Bridget in a few years back, she was again, office manager. So yeah, I mean, it's so funny because I haven't even thought about when we were working and now I'm like picturing when we were drawing the charts before we moved. Um, but that's basically how it, it, it started. It was like creating the leaders of each, um, each department. So then you have your stylists and then you've got the assistants and then you've got the, um, apprentices and then you got your front desk. And has that helped? That's that picture of it, that structure of it, um, help you make the, 
more strategic decisions at times. That clarity is it really helped in, in that sense. For sure. At first, you may not have had clarity about what roles and functions you need to have in the business. You may not even have the people to be able to put into those roles, but mapping that out first then gave you the opportunity of being able to know where to put who at what time. Exactly. Yeah. Because it was just a cluster before. It was like, oh, well, this person is acting like they're this, you know, but they're not, they don't have a role. And so now, you know, just, yeah, everybody knowing who to go to and, you know, and having everything written down as far as their role, like their um, day-to-day functions, it's, yeah, definitely helps. Lisa, you've painted a great picture of, of uh, kind of how things function and, and, um, and the structure of the organization and the strengths and the services you provide. And look, the name of the, the, our podcast here is clearing obstacles. And so let's jump into that. What's, what's in the way, what are the obstacles from your perspective, uh, the primary and, and most significant obstacles that are standing in the way of you achieving really the ultimate version of your vision? Um, I would say right now, because I'm doing the med spa, it's managing the people that I'm, I haven't trained. Um, it's like a whole new set of people who have been doing something their own way and then getting them to trust that I'm helping them and I, I can I can fix the problems that they've got going on. Um, and then just weeding through the ones who probably aren't going to work out, but I got a lot to learn about that business. So I, I would say that's kind of the biggest thing right now. And yeah, I mean, it's usually always bad employees like that, you know, people who aren't seeing the same vision we are. That's, I would say that's our number one issue. Have you articulated that vision? Is it written down? Um, I guess it is written down, but because of the med spa, we haven't articulated anything really. I'm just like, it's, it's decorating and fixing machines and, you know, doing all that stuff. So we haven't even officially opened, but I need to get all of that on paper and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What would that help you to do? What do you think that the purpose that, that could serve for you? I think it will make it really clear who will work there and who won't work, you know, like I, I picked, I, I know there's people in my head, but it's like, it's sort of like what I was talking about earlier. And as I'm saying the words, I'm like, she doesn't fit in with, you know, so I, I need to kind of clear that, but it's hard to do when it's also new, <laughs> you know, that makes sense. Yeah. For me, when I think of like vision and such, and, and when you're documenting that, it, it does help to create some ob- objectivity to it, right? As opposed to subjectively kind of having some feelings about certain people and whatnot. Um, and it, it helps to kind of remove the assumptions with it because um, you never know. In some cases, you ne- may never know. You've got, probably got super good gut for sure on that stuff. But sometimes with a well-articulated vision on this, when you present it to somebody, that could be almost the, the reason for them to jump on board sometimes. Or off. <laughs> or, off. or off. One of the two. 
Do you feel like you have that vision and those values clarified for yourself? I get it that, you know, you can't communicate it to the team that's currently there or the team that you're in the process of recruiting, but do you feel like in your head or your heart, even if it's not written down, you, you know what that looks like, feels like what that represents? I mean, I want people to be kind. I want people to feel at ease around everyone that works in our place. Your attitude and the way you present yourself is a big deal. I think those are great. That's a great foundation for a a very clear set of values. Um, Do you have that already for the, the practically perfect and it's just not implemented yet in the med spa side? I would, I would say yes. I, I'm pretty sure it's in all the, the things that we designed a while back. So I think I'll just have to take that and copy a lot of it over to the new space. Having that vision clear for you is obviously the vision and values, by the way, I'm going to, I'm going to conflate those two for the sake of this, this point and, and a point slash some questions for you. The, the vision and the values lay this foundation, these expectations that you have. And in my experience, maybe heard me say this before, Matt, um, in my experience, one of the biggest, one of the biggest obstacles that gets in the way of business owners achieving their vision is the stuff that they've kept in their head, even if it's crystal clear, maybe they've even written it down in a document. Maybe it's just in their head and their heart and they kind of conceptually know what it is, but having that excessively clear and then making the assumption that everybody else is just going to kind of get it right. That they'll just, they'll understand. They'll just kind of absorb that through osmosis just by hanging out and being part of the culture that that they're somehow going to kind of absorb what those things are. And assumptions will show up in all kinds of nefarious little ways within a business. That's one of the most, I think, predominant places that it could show up is the assumptions that we make that what we have as a vision for our company and the values that we have for the company, that everybody else will just be on board, even though we haven't taken the time, the effort and the formal process of introducing and articulating that to them. So those assumptions that can really get in the way. So that's just the first basis right there. It's got to be clear for you. You've then got to be able to clarify it to your people. And then I think a really effective way, especially given the level of deep care that you obviously have for your employees and their experience, there's a way of, of um, using those as the basis for that feedback, for, that, for those corrective actions, those corrective conversations that we have to have with our employees sometimes. Let's take the too loud thing, for example, right? Hey, your voice is too loud. You could go in and correct somebody on that. You could say, hey, your, your voice really carries room to room. We've got a certain aesthetic that we want to keep here and I need you to keep it quieter. That's, that's a specific way of addressing that. But when you can tie it to the values that you have for the business, it, it can sort of put a little distance between your feedback and their ego because we all have that. It can, it can feel a little less personal, less more, less of a personal attack on, my God, you're loud, to, hey, one of the things that's really important around here is a certain aesthetic. And, and something that I've noticed uh, pretty consistently with you is that your voice kind of tends to carry room to room, and it's really impeding on our ability to have that kind of environment here. 
you're making it less about them and more about adherence to a certain way of doing things here. Our values are this, and I'm not seeing you representing those values in a particular way instead of, my God, you're loud. They're going to they're gonna land very differently with somebody. And so that's a, there are a million reasons why having the values and the vision perfectly clearly articulated, uh, why it's so important. But as a practical application, when you're, especially given that you have such care for your people and my God, 70 ish of them that you might at some point need to give that feedback to, to be able to couch that in such a way to, that it's based on the values and their ability to conform or comply or, or adhere to that rather than almost like a, a personal criticism of them. It's just mm, see this out of alignment right now. It's almost bubble wrapping that in a way that lets them absorb that information differently. and your chances of one, them hearing it and hearing it in the right way. And two, heck, maybe even just retaining them. If they took that too personally, they might be like, God, Lisa's kind of a, kind of a troll to work for. She just like personally attacked me and called me up, you know, whatever. Instead, it could be more about an ability for them to reflect on how they are or are not aligning with the culture that you've identified. Does that make sense? Totally. It's, I mean, it's just one of God, countless countless arguments for having a very very clearly defined obviously a vision but in particular a set of values that is written that is identified that if we were to talk in a week if we were if we were in a coaching engagement lisa i would say your your work for the next week is to have them written and have them freaking memorized because anytime you see somebody out of alignment with that you need to be able to go hey remember the aesthetic and and the the environment that we're trying to promote, I'm not getting that from you. Right? right. And, and, and now it's, it's, it's in your pocket. It's ready to launch into it any time rather than having this visceral response to go, my God, will you just quiet down <laughs> because, you know, and it just, it just lands differently. For sure. I, yeah. I, I wouldn't even know how to approach that right now. So um, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's a tool. It's just a good tactic. And it doesn't come naturally either. What also shows up for me when I think of values, I know we're really just kind of drilling in on this one piece with you right here, but what shows up is scalability. Um, Culture has a tendency to start losing itself after the first points of contact from the owner, right? Because it doesn't make its way down further. And a written set of values allows everyone to have those understandings of expectations through every bit of the hierarchy within the business right there, right? Then it means more freedom for those top level people. It allows the, the, the people that are there to be able to seamlessly move the culture, right? Without the need of you to be there. And, that, and you already said that much of this doesn't really land on you as it is, but it lands a little more on Bridget. And you go from this location to another location and now she's beyond her ability to be able to maintain that culture. But even every step down from the owner, right? You lose just a little bit of that culture piece, that management of the culture piece. And if you have a huge tier, I mean, you've got 40 some employees right here, for Christ's sake, that's a lot of people, right? You had two or three more spas. I don't know if that's your goal or whatever it may be. Wow, you know, we're looking at 100 and some people. How do you keep your presence, that culture, that continuity throughout your company. Well, again, kind of to 
get back to Dan's point, it's making sure that those are, are written down and managed throughout every tier and echelon within in the business. That's how you can spread it through. And I've seen that in various businesses where there's somewhere around this mental management area where it gets lost, right? You got your, you got your direct reports from the owner and it's solid. The next tier down, it, it, it's just a little bit less. And then even after diluted. that, it's a, yeah. then it's a mess. And where the biggest problems end up coming from are in that bottom-ish, middle to bottom-ish area, right? It's just not getting down there. That culture is not not bleeding all the way through. Because you made that assumption. Everybody else probably gets it. I mean, you're the leader. They You hired them. They, they're they in the culture. Like we, and we do. We tend to absorb some of that, but not probably not with the precision that you would intend. I think, I, Matt, I think it's brilliant. It's it's scalable because it's, it's that acutely and, and precisely defined. And there, then there's no room for question on it. That's, and, and then somebody can, then somebody can um, have a, have a clear understanding of that thing they might need to work on personally so that they show up in the professional context in a, in a way that's more aligned. That scalability, man, you nailed it, Matt. I'm going to bring this back in a little bit to, to be as precise as we can with the obstacles that you defined at the outset. And, and it was kind of broadly defined. And, and maybe that's the, just the starting point is, is it's the employees, if I recall, right? That like the biggest obstacle in your way to fully achieving that vision uh, once it's clearly articulated and communicated to your team. The clearest or the, the most um, uh, significant obstacles are the people and the consistency of how they show up and how they do their work and, and, and all of that. Am I, is that right? I want to make sure that that's really clearly understood and, and defined. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. I mean, just making sure that they're doing things in a clean way. I mean, you're stabbing needles into people's faces. You know, <laughs> <needs to> be <laughs> very, <laughs> very clean. That sounds so, so appealing. Uh, right. You're <laughs> selling me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a, it's an invasive. The price of beauty. <laughs> it's, a, it's a practice that you have to be very clean, and so going in there and seeing that they weren't being very clean, you know, and so now having to make sure and like, I don't want to micromanage, obviously, but just make sure the right people are in there doing the right thing, and which I, I'm. I'm Doing, creating our values and all of that, I'm sure that will make a big difference because they'll understand we're not the same. I don't know if this is the vein that we, I don't want to interrupt your vein there, Dan, but I'm curious because of this different type of service right here, you say, you say micromanage quite a bit um, and you bring that up and I don't want to say that's micromanagement, but it, it sounds like the potential is that you might have to in some ways for liability reasons and a little bit more to be a little little bit more tight on that to be able to offset the concerns about some potential lawsuits and injury and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot more, I mean, in our industry in general, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, I mean, even in the spa, we're using microblading, which is a surgical scalpel to shave the face. Like there's a lot of things that we have to be very clean about. And so I'm used to that in, an, in a way, but everybody that works for me is so well trained at this point that I don't worry what they're doing, but going into a new business, like having to retrain them is basically what I'm 
dealing with. We're in a great topic. And I, I, if, if we spent the rest of the conversation talking about this term micromanagement, I would be, I would, I would feel like I would feel whole the, the, um, I, I always like to, to sort of couch it this way. Um, people and processes have to be managed. And if you're doing it well, then you don't need to micromanage, right? We feel compelled. We feel this compulsion to micromanage when things start to feel out of control. What do we do? We grip tighter. And, and if you can have a healthy mechanism to properly manage, micromanagement doesn't need to happen. It, that, that's only our compulsion when it's like, oh, crap, things are really getting out of control. And, and further to that, um, I like Matt's point. I mean, because of the stakes are incredibly high in what you do. I mean, we're not doing landscaping for somebody and not that that's not incredibly detail oriented, but we're not talking about medical malpractice with, you know, a poorly laid flower bed. We're talking about like some serious implications if they're not following certain protocols. Right. So, so I, I would even almost frame that as to the, to the greatest degree that you can, I think it might actually, there might be some room to micromanage the processes so you don't have to micromanage the people. Right. The, the people, if, if you can, if you can be really precise in all the protocols and safety measures and hygienic and aesthetic, and those processes are so meticulously crafted, people won't feel micromanaged as much as the, the processes are being micromanaged again, out of necessity because of the nature of what your industry is. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's brilliant. I, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, just laying out all of the details of how things should be done. I think that will make a huge difference for them. And it'll make their lives easier because then they don't have to think about it. Yeah. Like, this is just what we do. Right. 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 Not because, yeah. not, not, I mean, yes, for brand, but my God, for legal liability too. I mean, there's some significant stuff going on here. That... <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. So what's in the way of that? What, what right now could you say? is the obstacle to that obstacle the for the again we're, we're always trying to sort of like deconstruct this we're reverse engineering how to clear the obstacle so the big obstacle if we were to just paint it with a really broad brush <clears throat> has to do with employees and them doing things the way that you expect them to be done so first step in that i would think and tell me if you agree matt is is clarifying what those values are and making sure all of those systems that you have defined adhere to and are, are in really strict compliance with those values. There's, there's no disparity between them. That's, that's the first thing, right? Clarifying the values. So that then you have a, you have a bar that is set that all of your systems then adhere to, right? Would that, would that be a fair next step just to start with? I think that's great. Yeah. Then what? Okay. So, so we can wave a magic wand You've taken the time, whether it's an hour or a week, and you've sat down and you've defined your values uh, and and clarified them. Some that I heard you talking about were to be kind. We we want people to feel at ease. We have a certain standard of of comfort that everybody uh, should feel when they're in our establishment. There's pride in our appearance overall. Um, you're just you just take care in what that is. Doesn't matter what you were born with, what necessarily what traits that you have. You don't have to be you know pulled off the cover of Vogue, but my God, dress well, have pride in the way you look. Being being cognizant of that's so another value, and 
Yeah. And attitude. So being precise on what that attitude is, what, what, what do you mean by attitude? You couldn't just say one of our values is attitude. Well, I got attitude. I'll give you attitude. Like what do you mean by attitude? So being, again, being precise in this, those are the values. So once you've got those down defined in a way that I like to, to coach with, with my clients too, and and Matt, you probably have a similar approach, a, a brief shortcut. I don't want to belabor the idea here, but when you're defining values, you name what the value is, you actually give a proper definition of it. And what I like to, to coach my clients on is uh, you supplement that with an example of how I might recognize that if I saw it, right? So in that situation, we've got be kind. Here's a definition for being kind. And this is how you'd recognize it if you saw it in the wild. That In that way, somebody who's reading your values and, and trying to incorporate that into their credo, into the way that they show up in, in your business and the culture, it's, it's crystal clear. They'll recognize it when they see it and they've got a definition for it. So you've got that all established. You've got the values established. Now what? Can I add something to the values piece? Yeah. This oh my God. Yeah. Do you care, Lisa, if I add something to that? Of course. Go ahead. Yeah. I love values. It was something that was huge in my business anyway. I love working with passion, passion people, right? The the clients that I have that are super, like even Patrick on, on that last call, right? You know, just good, solid people with great values and they're super important for them, which is most small business owners in my experience as it is anyway. But to add to what um, Dan was talking about there, um, I like to think of them as verbs. And he, he did a good job of talking about that to, to a degree, but like the, the, I always use this example, you know, when I talk about with my kids or something, you know, when it comes to like being honest, we always tell the truth. Well, when I follow that, like that value isn't just honesty, right? Because honesty by itself is subjective because everybody can kind of have their own little way of what that is. It can be definitional. You can be like, oh, the act of telling the truth, like by Webster's dictionary. Yeah, right? it's conceptual. You know? Right? Whereas when you put it into a behavior, in action, which is what you know as a parent, you've done this too. Uh, we all do. We all can identify with this. You now then tell them the way to act, right? So like in my example of we don't lie, we, we always tell the truth. That's the that's actually the value. But then I say, hey, in a situation where you feel like you have to, you know, where you're, or what do I say? I always say, um, I'd rather you um, tell me the truth and kind of fear getting in trouble with it than me not trust you about it and tell me a lie instead. Right. You know, like I, that's an action. I'm telling them like how to behave, like, wow, this is going to happen. I'm painting the picture of what you should do. Right. And that removes all the subjective element of it. People identify with understanding behaviors more than they will with a definition. I always, you know, I'm going to use this point because I say this all the time. I always think of values. I always cringe. When I see those values that are like that poster, we've all seen this poster where it's a golf oh, yeah. tee, yeah. right? Yeah, the yeah. golf tee, right? And it says commitment, right? The act of whatever it is. And you're like, what is that? Yeah. Those is motivational that? posters from the 80s that, yeah. Oh my God. Soar like an eagle. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I love that verb thing, man. Seriously, one of the things I just so do, you just always make me a better coach. That verb part to, to the values. God, what a what an absolutely wonderful way to articulate that to sharpen what you expect in those values. Throw a, there's got to be a verb attached to it, a thing that is done that way. I love that. Okay, so you've got them written. 
Now what, Lisa? Then we have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. How? Uh, what does that right. look like? I'll hold a meeting, um, get everyone together and go over it and you know, just help everybody understand. You know, things are going to be different, but they'll be better. And why? Those meetings can, can be agony. We've all sat in meetings where, like, I mean, seriously, a corporate meeting. Today, we're going to discuss values. Oh, my God. All right. Everybody just dialed out. How can you make that important to them? Why would they Why would they care about what the values are? I mean, otherwise, like like you're saying, you're going to, you're going to post it on the cork board in the break room, and nobody's ever going to look at it again. Why should it matter to them? Because they'll be more successful if they use those. And then as a team, you know, it's going to attract a lot more quality clients, going to attract a lot more quality employees to work with. And um, yeah, just make us all better as a whole. Yeah. I had a client who had great success with it when they stated it this way. They said, they said, um, uh, the people who are an appropriate fit uh, will always have a place here. Those that aren't, they won't. And, and just by making sure that there is accountability to all of those, all those people who are your tribe, who, who see it the same way, they're just like standing on the sidelines, just cheering. They're just loving that kind of leadership because they know you've got their back. Right. And, and, and to state that in no uncertain terms, just like that in that kind of a meeting to say, I'm not doing this so that I'm going to be like looking over your shoulder all the time. I'm stating all of these. So nobody has any ambiguity about what's expected because those that can't get on board with this, I, I'm, I may love you, but you, there's not going to be room for you here. And everybody that's like, that is on boards, just like staying in there cheering because they got, they know you've got their back. That's when it matters because, you know, that's how you can make it relevant to them again. So they're not just these stupid ass platitudes that sit on the, uh, you know, on a, on a poster that you made for the break room. Right. <laughs> that's good. I'm curious, Lisa, have you had to do one of this nature before where you're coming in in a triage sense, right? Where you're fixing. Have you had to have that kind of hard meeting about, you know, values and culture before? I mean, I guess when I, you know, when I first took on the salon side of the business, they, there were three employees over there. Um, so I kind of had to take them in and I guess even though it wasn't said like or written down or anything, it just several of them left because they just didn't fit with our, our values, I guess. And so, yeah, I mean, definitely had to let people go for those reasons. So this is similar, I guess, to my first location when I did take on that salon, um, just a lot more, a lot more liability involved. One thing I've found with the med spa, it's a lot different from my people who I have, you know, a lot of them are there, you know, all day long. These people, it's hard to get everybody in a room for a meeting. So I've tried to hold a couple meetings and the doctors often travel for two weeks at a time. Who knew? Um, so, I'm, you know, it might have to be individual until we grow a stronger um, employee base. But right now, it's probably going to have to be an individual thing. 
as long as everybody gets the information, maybe you have to have it as a virtual meeting and it's a Zoom call and you record it and and, and everybody, it's compulsory that everybody ends up reviewing that, even if it's the doctors that are traveling for two weeks. Great. Download the recording and watch it on the plane on your next travel or something. That's real effective implementation of this so that, again, it's not just an exercise that, oh, a business coach told me that we needed to do. This becomes part of the the ethos, the everyday operating system for how we talk to each other for how we, again, have these corrective conversations or, or, or whatever, but keeping them alive. I feel like that's a third step, establishing them, communicate them all to the team, and then breathe life into them every chance that you get. And and it takes the corniness out of it. You know, honestly, you, it, it can start to feel a little corporate speak-ish when you talk about the values. And if you can make it more commonplace, it doesn't feel quite so contrived and corny and like, oh, well, aren't they just the company person? There's this, there's this realness to it that I think people get on board with it more when it's, when it's not this, again, contrived mechanism that you're using, uh, but rather part of everyday conversation. What do you think about that? Um, I agree completely. I think, um, when you're, what's that saying? Um, you know, when you're modeling the behavior, people will, you know, follow it. Uh, yeah, I think that that's perfect. I, I found too in my work with clients that, and even in my own business, is that one practical way of using values and also involving the staff in them in the decision making process. And it's maybe something that you already do kind of naturally, it sounds like, Lisa, is that you come from a place of those things that aren't systematized, those problems that come up that are just those offshoot things, those those forks in the road sometimes, right? Where you're like, oh, should we do this or should we do this? When you use the values to be able to make those decisions, it only continues to validate them, right? And it brings them into so much life with them. And again, you use them as that cornerstone with the staff member and saying, hey, you know, this is where we are with this decision right here. I'm not exactly sure which way to turn, but let's sit back in our values and say, hey, let's think this through from this perspective. Since we don't have a system, so until we don't have the, the green light on this 100%, let's use these as the point of making the decision. Now, how's this look? Right. And that right. Bring, brings a whole other level of culture into it and just, again, empowers them and pushes that culture into them, those values in. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with that. 100%. We, we got into the values because of the employment issue and, and man, we're just knocking the crap out of this values topic. But, <laughs> but in the same way, uh, uh, every huge business decision that you make, hmm, should we take on this as a service? And sometimes those bigger questions, if you, if you put it against the backdrop of your values and your vision, again, that's a kind of upstream from that. But when you put it against that backdrop, it gives you almost like a litmus test about some what might otherwise be kind of hard decisions. You might be torn. You might be like, ah, that's a service. I'm not sure. Do we want to add that? Or should we take on this customer or partner with this vendor or whatever? You look at your values. That's like your litmus test. It's the backstop to make sure that, that you're, uh, that you keep on your, your true North of your compass as well. A million reasons. My God, values are just, they're just huge. I'm, I'm with Matt on that, man. It's one of my favorites. Do you guys think I should have some values well <laughs> it's, i would consider it lisa you know 
Um, yeah, I will get on that for sure. I think <laughs> okay. So what if we, if we circle back to the very beginning is all about employees. I don't want to, uh, um, overwork this here, but that's, that's really where it started out is, is that, that seems to be the biggest obstacle, at least in your mind, uh, you know, in this, in this hour that we have available to us to talk about this today, employees, getting them to do the work that needs to be done in the way that you need it done consistently and in a scalable way that, um, hopefully we've addressed some of those mechanisms. Is there anything that we didn't talk about or poke holes in this? Honestly, Lisa, if we've been having this conversation, you're like, yeah, you guys are, are given really good conceptual stuff here, but that's not the real world. That's not the way that I see it. Poke holes in this. Where, where are any objections that you might have, if any? I don't really have any objections. I think you've got it. You know, I think that's exactly what it is. And I think this will help a, a ton just, creating all of that for this new place i mean because it, it really made such a difference when matt and i worked together before covid like that was huge i i know my place would not be functioning the way it is today if we hadn't done that so just knowing that like i can do that again and yeah i think it's it's gonna be super helpful matt what else do you have to add anything else that we've left off the table today as far as you can see it you know i think we need to talk about values a little bit (laughs) (laughs) with a little ipecac because i think we're just about to hurl if we talk too much more about it clearly i guess i guess for me what shows up and this is always in the context and i think it is the same for you dan is that um, I, I was just kind of been bugged about this the whole time, but it was a positive that you put into this and you kind of laughed it through a little bit, Lisa, which is like, oh, everything was just perfect and fine. And I just took this on to add more stress. You know, um, how are you protecting yourself with the the knowledge that you have in the business to be able to make sure that you're getting enough life out of this and it's not going to be, be a thing that does drain you and, and bring bring you into a place of overwhelm and such right i mean you seem great i know you well enough you seem like you've got it handled right you know but you know the reality is is you know how the reality is so i just want to check in with you and and say hey how are you protecting yourself through this and what mechanisms maybe do you already have that you can lean on that can help this make a an easier and less stressful process and not affect life too much for you yeah i think um because i I do tend to want to take on everything right on myself. But one of the things I've learned over the years is to delegate. And thank God I I have so many people who want to help me and who believe in me now because they've seen what we've already accomplished. Um, It's, I think just doing that. And and there are times where I'm like, I guess I could hang that light myself because I'm pretty handy. But my boyfriend is there and I'm like, you know what? He doesn't know how to do it yet but he can learn. And so now he's learning how to do construction work, but because I, I can accomplish so many other things if, you know, if he does that, so that's, that's been super helpful, just delegating to people and, you know, having the good people around who are, who have no problems helping me. That that's a big deal. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. This is a great question, Matt, an important one. It was. And I probably should get a massage. <laughs> oh, that for sure. I know a good spa. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. 
for the sake of uh, of making sure we we have an end time before uh, our listeners' batteries run out on their iPhones, let's uh, <laughs> uh, maybe find a good spot to uh, wrap it up here. And I, I would honestly, I would love to to consider having you back on again after you've made some of this progress, uh, Lisa, with the with the med spa and and see how that's going with you and how a lot of this stuff is translated. Is that something you might be interested in too? Absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're planning on opening like the first week of April. So and having our grand opening April 22nd. So uh, yeah, we can hopefully reach out after that and whew. we'll see if I have any more gray hairs. That's luckily I fortunately. <laughs> yes. Again, there's a nice, while you're getting your massage, they could be letting the color set. I know for me, I'd, I'd love to just thank you so much, Lisa, for your uh, willingness to to spend some of your valuable, very precious time that you have right now, especially with all that you've got going on and uh, and taking an opportunity to share some of your own obstacles, some of the ways that you're addressing them and uh, and hopefully discovering a few things that will benefit other listeners who we know from plenty of experience, uh, others are having similar if not identical situations going on in their own businesses and so thank you for that it's it's a generosity for sure and that's that's definitely something that could be added to your values list all over again <laughs> um uh so thank you again for that and um and for your time matt what else do you need to add man nothing nothing i'm just always i'm just pleased to always interact with you lisa and i'd love to see your growth but i mean we grew our businesses together at one point and um, just super excited for your future future. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast and taking the time. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. It was nice talking. Likewise. Likewise. Thanks again. We hope you've gotten the value you were looking for on today's episode. And if you want more like this, please subscribe to the clearing obstacles podcast on your favorite listening platform. You can go to clearingobstacles.com for more information, and there you'll find links to other episodes, as well as how you can get in touch with us to set up your own customized coaching experience on a regular basis to clear your own obstacles. Your business should serve your life. So let us help you get there from here, because nobody should do this on their own. We also want to thank you for listening and gratefully acknowledge everyone who helped make this podcast possible. And a special thanks to our supreme assistant and navigator, Noah Wertheiser, to Arctic E for the brilliant musical themes of Clearing Obstacles, and to the team at Hivecast for your amazing work and legendary patience.